And what perfectionism is really doing, though it's well-intended, is misguided because it separates us from our ability to enjoy our current work and our current lives. Perfectionism gets us so obsessed with progress that we lose our ability to be present. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Hello again, it's Carly Fain, and I am so glad that we're here together in the Messy and Magnificent podcast talking about something that is near and dear to my world. That is the recovering of perfectionism. So if you are like one of the many driven people who looks like you have it all together, because sure, frankly, you do have a lot of things together. And you also chronically feel like you're pulled in 10 directions, you're feeling guilty for not getting to all the things, and your emotions are up and down throughout the day because some moments you're feeling calm and clear and others you just want to curl up and hide. This might be a good episode for you. And I just want to start us out here with a reality check. There is a global pandemic going on. And there is civil unrest because of the lack of good leadership in some counties or some countries at large. There are global protests and called for legislation changes to protect and respect black lives. And oh yeah, I bet your job has changed too because you're working from home or you've had totally different procedures at work and maybe you're furloughed or maybe you're having to figure things out in your current job or a new job in a totally different way. All of that is real. And it's happening in this present moment. And yet, if you are one of my perfectionist sisters out there, then you're probably also expecting yourself to get through the day with the same gusto and grace as when all of that wasn't happening, right? (laughs) And when we say it out loud like that, it's easy to hear how silly it is. And yet, I know how easy it is to fall back into the pattern of perfectionism. And I'll say this, If you've had perfectionist tendencies before all these big global and personal changes that are going on, that mindset might be really showing up and messing with your game right now because you've got to navigate all this new territory without anyone having handed you a roadmap on how to make good progress in the presence of all of this. And that sense that you aren't doing enough or doing enough right right now It's found in the difference between where you are and where you think you should be. And odds are, you are not impressed with where we all as a whole are right now. And maybe you aren't impressed with where you are right now and the ways you're showing up. Here's the good news. Here's what I want you to know. You actually do have a roadmap within you to elevate you from needing things to be perfect back to a state of clarity and ease. And we are going to go over exactly that today. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to define perfectionism as I see it within my coaching practice. 
Then we're going to talk about what perfection really is about because it is not about doing a good job. Then we're also going to go over some signs that perfectionism is messing with your game. So some very specific ways that you can spot it showing up that might not be exactly what you were thinking of. And then we're going to talk specifically about where to begin upgrading from trying to do all the things and doing them just right to knowing which things need your attention and which ones you can afford to lean back and let go of. So as we begin this, I got to give a shout out because as always, the comments that come in that you leave on my social media or over at iTunes, they always have wild synchronicities here. So check out what Azale 1000 said about Messing Magnificent. Five stars, love it. Just the right balance of frank honesty and uplifting positivity. I look forward to hearing and learning more about how to view myself as a whole instead of fragments. Oh, Azale 1000, thank you so much for leaving that comment. And to everybody who's leaving reviews, keep it coming. If you haven't done it yet, please do it. It helps the show rise in the algorithm so more women can see it. What I'm really appreciating about what you shared here, Azale, is this balance of honesty and positivity. And I can tell you this, that removing perfectionism from my daily practice is exactly what has allowed me to be more authentic in my life and in my work. I no longer feel pulled in all of these different directions because I have to wear these different masks. Instead, I get to be one whole honest person. And we named the podcast Messy and Magnificent for a reason. So we'll get to that in a moment here. But I just want to point out, for all of my clients who have dared to look at what the root cause of their perfectionism is and then to elevate into something that works better, They have universally found that not only does their life not fall apart when they stop trying to do everything to the max, that their life comes back together. Their work gets clearer. It gets more focused. They get more done in less time. So it's kind of, it's kind of funny here. When we stop trying to do it all right, things start to fall rightly into place for us. So let's begin here by defining what I mean specifically when I say perfectionism. This isn't necessarily Webster's definition, but just so that you and I are on the same page in this conversation here. When I see perfectionism cropping up for high achievers, this is different than wanting to do a good job or create excellence in your work or in your family or around your health. I'm not talking about doing a good job. Perfectionism is the overachieving, people-pleasing fear that prevents us from having what we actually value. See, perfectionism is a socially accepted way to wear your fear of not doing or being enough on your sleeve. It's how we reinforce to ourselves the idea that we're isolated, meaning that we're in this alone. And if we don't do everything to, you know, the umpteenth degree, then things are going to fall apart. See, perfectionism is how we tell ourselves and others that this lifetime, no matter how well we do in it, is going to be about a constant struggle to get to some vague top of a mountain peak that we haven't clearly defined. I want to give an example of this, and I I want to share this story because Azale 1000, you mentioned you like my honesty, so here's some real radical honesty for you. I love this story about perfectionism because you're going to hear it in one of my clients, and you're going to hear me doing it at the same time. So about three years ago, I was at Kripalu Center, 
teaching Navigating a Graceful Transition with Dr. Maria Sirwa, as we've done for years now. And we had a really big turnout. We had this great group of people come. We're in their main hall room teaching this course. And I'm talking about some of the foundational pillars that are really helpful to check in with. There's five of them when we're navigating change or transition. And I had just gone over the five pillars and the gentleman in the audience raises his hand. We'll call him Chris. That's not his real name. Chris looks like a mature J. Crew model, right? Just like, looks like he just hopped off the page of a magazine. He's got this effortless ease about him. And he raises his hand and he says, hey, Carly, quick question for you. Of these five pillars, which one, if I focus on it, would get me to the top the fastest? Which one will get me where I want to go the fastest? Now, while Chris is saying this, you know how time slows in your own head when you're hearing your own thoughts? You can have a lot of thoughts in a short amount of time. At least I know I can. And as Chris is saying this, I am acutely aware that I am standing in a big hall, surrounded literally in a circle, because we had everybody like seated in a circle so they could see each other, by people from all over the world of all different life experiences, and a lot of them very successful, and I've got this Madonna mic on, right? So I've got one of those lavaliers on my ears. Everybody can hear what I'm about to say. And Chris wants to know which pillar will get in there the fastest, and my brain is going, okay, Which pillar? If he focuses on the relationship pillar, will that get him there? Well, I don't know. I don't know Chris's story. I don't know everything about him yet. It's only day one and a half. We've barely started this program. And my brain is panicking. Oh my gosh, they're all going to see me not have the right answer. They're never going to trust me again. This whole workshop's going to fall apart. (laughs) And all of this scrambling is going on in my brain as I'm trying to come up with the perfect answer to Chris's question about how he can do these five pillars perfectly. And at the same time that is happening, I hear within my chest something calling me to still. It's calling me to curiosity. And I begin to wonder, well, what's the rush? And so I do the thing coaches do sometimes, this terrible thing we do where we actually ask a question in response to a question. And I said, hey, Chris, just out of curiosity here, could you bear with me for a moment and let me know what's the rush? Like, why the need to know which of these five pillars is going to get you there the fastest? And and where exactly is there? What are we working with here? And Chris pauses and he leans back in his back check. We sit in back checks at Kerpalu, so like these seats on the floor. And tears start to well up in his eyes. He says, Carly, oh my God, I have no idea where I'm trying to go. I'm in my late 40s. I'm nearing 50. I've been rushing my whole life. And towards what? I have no idea. And the room is silent. And Grace had entered the room. And there was a pause. There was a moment where we couldn't consider intentionality. So rather than doing the most, going the fastest, we could clarify where we were going and why. And part of why I share this story with you As in case, you know, Chris's experience is relatable to you at all. I know it's relatable to me, but also because I want you to know this about me. Everything that I teach and that I share, I share because I have seen it work for myself and for my clients. There's nothing that I, you know, share with you that I'm like willy-nilly grabbing off some website or just done some basic research on. And I want you to know that part of what me as a recovering perfectionist has learned 
is that A, we don't recover from perfectionism perfectly. (laughs) That was much to my chagrin. I learned that early on. But B, it's not about negating our human parts. It's not about negating the normal fears and worries that we have and trying to stop ourselves from being who we are. So in that moment, I'm having all the normal, messy human thoughts. What am I going to do? What if they don't think I'm a good enough coach? What if this whole workshop falls apart? And also, because I am clear about what I value and what my role is as a coach, I'm also able to hear this other part of me at the same time that says, Carly, dare to pause. Do not rush this answer. So I am not all fear and worry, and I am not all like sublime wisdom teacher. I am both at the same time, right? So let's go over some quick signs that perhaps perfectionism is messing with your game. Because maybe you're not having a Madonna Mike kind of moment today, but perfectionism is still messing with you a little bit. Let's talk about what I call the five S's of perfectionism. S number one, I call it sofa sabotage. Now, sofa sabotage happens when you finally do get to sit down and maybe take a load off. And that is when your mind starts racing. You do have a moment to relax, and yet you can't. Your mind is going a mile a minute. The second S of perfectionism is scarcity. There's a sense that there's never enough. Never enough time, or you didn't do a good job on that email, or you didn't get the PowerPoint slides together right, or you didn't prep for the interview in the right way. There's a sense of scarcity. The third S is snapping. Right, We start to snap either at other people or at ourselves because we feel frustrated. So that can come out with your family and friends, it can come out with your coworkers, or it can come out in your own mental speak to yourself. And you feel terrible about it because that's not who you are. You're a good-hearted person. So snapping makes you feel terrible about who you are. Now, the fourth S of perfectionism is what I've been calling soloism. And soloism is this belief that we're reinforcing for ourselves that we have to do it ourselves or else it won't get done right. And we begin to pile more and more and more on our plate all the time. And that leads to what we call in my practice popular isolation. And popular isolation is this phenomenon for driven people where You've got good friends or you've got good coworkers or family, people you love that you're around, and yet you feel alone because you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. You feel like nobody really understands everything you have to get to because you need to do it yourself or oversee it directly, micromanaging it yourself for fear that it won't be done right if you don't do it. And then the fifth one, and if you're not breathing, because these are relatable, take a deep breath right here, right now. (laughs) The fifth one is being super scheduled. This is where you are like a planning pro, down to the T. Every moment of the day has got some neat color-coded box where you know exactly what you're going to be and what you're doing, but you always feel like no matter how well you plan, there's not quite enough time. And you get better and better and better. You get a better planner. You take a course on time management. You do all the normal stuff. And yet your super scheduled calendar still feels like you can't fit everything in that you wish you could get to. So those five S's again, sofa sabotage. We've got that scarcity feeling, snapping, the soloism or being super scheduled. These are signs that perfectionism is messing with you. But here's what you got to know. If you're experiencing any of these S's, I want to encourage you to let yourself off the hook. 
you were taught from an early age that you're not enough because this is the cultural norm. The cultural norm is a sense of scarcity, that we have to do more, that we have to fight and claw our way up to the top or else we won't be enough. These are not signs that something's wrong with you. These are signs that you've been doing perfectionism rather than sustainable life-giving work. They are signs that you're operating on a paradigm left over from the information age that we've now moved out of, right? They're signs that you're running away from what you fear rather than moving towards what you love. So let me bring it back to that example with Chris. Here's Chris, means well, professionally successful, likes to keep doing the most, wants to get to the finish line the fastest, wasn't sure what the finish line was, but was sure as heck running as hard as he could to get there. Chris, while well-meaning, was running away from a fear of not doing or being enough. He was perfectionism in action because he had a fear that if he wasn't doing the most, he would somehow fall behind. And through the course of our workshop together, what we began to figure out was what he really loved and how he could move towards that rather than moving away from the fear of not being enough. And I know you can sense the difference, right? The difference between when we are taking steps to avoid what makes us uncomfortable rather than to move towards what we want more of. So you might have heard on episode 33, just the last episode where we talked about information overload that when a lot of people go big, when it is the cultural norm to push harder, run on Duncan, get caffeinated, stay busy, that those of us who are really standing out in our modern economy stop trying to go big and we start trying to go intentional. You can go back and listen to that episode if you want to know more of the specifics around that. But let me just give you a little cultural context here. We live in a culture that gives lip service to work-life family balance but it tells us in the same breath to hustle and do more and to earn and prove our worth. And what perfectionism is really doing, though it's well-intended, is misguided because it separates us from our ability to enjoy our current work and our current lives. Perfectionism gets us so obsessed with progress that we lose our ability to be present. So let's talk here for a moment about where to begin, if any of these are relatable, upgrading from perfectionism to knowing which things actually do and which things don't need your attention. And we're going to go over one very specific foundational mindset that recovering perfectionists already know and are living into. Now, I don't have every answer in the book for you on the meaning of life and why we're all here, right? And what the perfect job scenario should look like for you. But I do know this. If you are human, it is because you are meant to be human. Meaning, you are actually meant to feel all of the emotional emotions and have all of the experience of being human, not just the convenient, well-scheduled ones. And for us recovering perfectionists, that's kind of a big mental shift. Because we way prefer to be able to schedule things at a convenient time, to have things under control, to have things in a systematic order that we can predict and respond to. But a human life is what we are actually having. And I'm sure you've noticed by now that a human life is not particularly linear, right? We can't actually plan every event down to the T. 
So women who thrive in the big three, and that's thriving career, health, and relationships at the same time, they cultivate both progress and presence. See, if we're only in the present moment, things may not unfold intentionally. They may not unfold in the direction that we would like them to go. But if we're only focused on progress, we will not get to enjoy what is already good. And I bet there are lots of moments in your day right now where you are with your children or maybe you're with a niece or a nephew or you're with one of your good friends and you want to be present with them, but your mind is drifting back to work or it's drifting to the thing that you have to do next. And you like you know this is a rich, meaningful time and yet it's really tricky to enjoy, right? See, our ability to be magnificent is dependent upon our ability to be messy. I'm going to say that again. Our ability to have a life that is magnificent is dependent upon our ability to be a little messy. Now, you can go back and listen to episode one about just that, about the and, about our ability to be messy and magnificent, if this is relatable to you. But I want to say this. When we try to plan everything down to the T, we are inadvertently on an ego trip telling ourselves that we know exactly the best possible path forward for ourselves. And when we do that, we negate the unlimited possibilities that could happen for us. Meaning, let's say you know you want a job. Um, I remember one time having a very specific client who said, Carly, look, I'm applying for this job with this company. I want to be their VP of marketing and sales. I want to be in their San Francisco office and I want to start in September was very specific. I said, great. Just out of curiosity, why do you want to do that? I said, oh, well, I've got family on the West Coast, so I'd like to be closer to them. I really like what this company stands for, so I'd like to be supporting you know, their mission, and I want to be making a certain amount of salary. I said, great. So is what you're telling me, that if you're making this certain amount of salary, doing work that's meaningful to you, in the West Coast, you would be really happy? They said, yeah. I said, does it need to be at that specific job? They said, oh my God, I never thought about it that way. It has been so stressful applying for this one specific job. It makes me feel like I have to do it all right. What if we applied for a few jobs that checked all of those boxes and we allowed for a little bit more wiggle room? We open up to the expansiveness of possibilities before us. You know, Pink has a great line in her song, What About Us? She says, I don't want control. I want to let go. And I think for a lot of us driven folks, that's what we want. We want to be able to let go with the caveat that things don't fall apart when we do, right? We want to feel like we can afford to lean back and not have to be on all the time. But we also want to know that we're going to be safe if we do that. And this is really important. I'm going to have some really real talk with you for a moment because I know you can handle it. Here's what I have come to notice. Those of us who really lean in the direction of perfectionism, often, not everybody, but almost everybody that I've ever worked with, including myself, we do so because somewhere along the lines, often as a child, we learned that we are not safe unless we have our own back. I'm going to say that again. If somewhere along the line, you learned that if you didn't protect yourself or pull yourself up by your bootstraps, that you might not actually be safe in the world, this could be related to your root desire to do things perfectly now. 
And if that is the case, I encourage you to offer yourself incredible grace and incredible tenderness around this subject. And this is particularly relevant for all people, but really for human women, because I'm very frank on this show that I know that being a human woman in the world right now is not the safest thing to be. We know that all women have a million reasons why that's the case. And so if part of the guard we wear that we learn from a young age to protect ourselves is perfectionism, well, you are being invited, you are being called, if that no longer works for you, to elevate into something that provides room for you to feel safe again. So let's talk about that very specifically, because you know me, I talk about these big things, but then I like to make them doable. I like to make them relevant. So we're going to go over four very specific steps that can really help us upgrade from perfectionist fear to freedom, to the ability to feel like we can breathe again without things falling apart. Now, steps one and steps two are really foundational for all of us. Steps three and steps four are if you're ready to take it to the next level. So step number one in recovering from perfectionism is to ask ourselves this question. What is my drive for doing this one specific thing perfectly? Now, notice I am being very specific. I want you, don't look at the big picture of why am I a perfectionist in general. That's kind of vague. I want you to look at one very specific place that this is showing up. And I'm going to give you another like personal, very real world example here. What we normally find for perfectionism is that it's related to one of two Fs. It's either related to fear or it's related to function. So I'm going to give you an example of both of these. So is my drive for perfectionism related to either fear or function. So fear, meaning, am I afraid that something will happen if I don't do this perfectly? So if we go back to my earlier example, my fear when I was initially hearing Chris's question, the audience was, gosh, if I don't respond to this perfectly, I'm afraid I'm going to like go out of business. I'll be unqualified to be a coach. (laughs) It was a pretty rapid, fast, extreme fear I was having. So I'm noticing that I am afraid disproportionately of the outcome of this one event. Because if I bombed in front of the group, probably my whole business wouldn't fall apart. (laughs) In fact, probably everything would be entirely a-okay. It always have. I have never run my business perfectly and it's always been okay, right? Sometimes our drive for perfectionism is really about function. Things need to function differently. So I'll give you an example of this. Just this past Friday, I was talking to a wonderful professional, a woman named Georgia Wall. She's a ceremonialist, so she creates ceremonies for people at different occasions and events. And she's helping me put a ceremony together right now. And we were talking about how one of the things that my right-hand assistant, Ellen, and I have been discussing is that I have got to figure out a way to do less emails. (laughs) I send so many emails every single day. And it's really, it's like the upkeep of it is impossible, even though she's doing, you know, a lot of them too. And it's time for us to figure out a new email system. And Georgia asked me, she said, well, what is it specifically about sending the emails that's not working for you? I paused for a moment and I realized what specifically isn't working about them is because every email I have ever sent to a client has felt like a love note. That has always been my secret intention. So, hey guys, to all my clients, secrets out. When you send me an email about something you're working on, I hold it in my heart and I write back with real focus and presence as if it is a love note. 
Sometimes they're poetic, or at least I'm trying to be poetic, but they're really going right to the heart of what's coming up for you. And what's happening, like on a Monday where I need to respond to 35 emails, is I can't write 35 love notes anymore. Like that's just not sustainable for me. But I also don't want to be in the position where I have to write really generic, half-assed responses either. So it was really an issue of function. It was really an issue of me beginning to figure out, okay, how can I delegate some of the quick answer emails over to Ellen or to another assistant? And then that way I can continue to write my love notes because they are what fuels both myself and my clients. So it wasn't about a fear of not being enough or doing enough. It was just a matter of function. So step number one, you're going to ask yourself, what is my drive for perfectionism in this one specific area about? And you're going to notice if it is about something related to fear or something related to function. And hey, if you notice it's related to something totally different, please let me know. I want to be in conversation. I want to learn from you. So that's step one, is we pause. And you're going to notice there's a theme of pausing in this episode. I paused when Chris spoke. I paused when Georgia spoke, right? So we dare to just breathe for a second before we react. That is where change happens. Change happens in the moment between stimulus and response. It happens if we can create a little bit of room to breathe right there. So if you look at, okay, what, number one, is my drive for perfectionism about in this one area? Step number two is, what will I do to address this? See, we no longer like cross our fingers and hope for the best. We don't hope perfectionism changes. That's not the way of things for us who are really in it for the perfectionism game. Those who have been doing this for a long time, doing the most for a long time, we cannot expect ourselves to suddenly flip a switch and be different. This is a process. We have to consciously address it. If we don't consciously address it, we're going to keep doing the same thing, right? So you're going to write down something very specific. If we take my email example, it might be, hey, yeah, I got to figure out who else is going to answer these emails. Or maybe I only answer certain emails on certain days and I do other ones on other days or whatever makes sense for you, right? How am I going to address what's cropping up for me? Now, step three is where I'd really do want you to consider taking this to the next level. This will be your shortcut moving forward. So step three, I want you to feel in your physical body. What does doing this perfectionist behavior physically feel like? A lot of my clients will tell me it feels like tightness in my shoulders or not in my stomach. Some people will tell me they kind of like hunch over their desk. They like physically collapse. They're like Quasimodo leaning over onto their keyboard. So just notice for you though, it might be different. What does perfectionism feel like physically in your body? Now, the reason this is a shortcut is that our body gives us valuable information all day long, and we can leverage that information as part of our professional strategy. So I want you to begin to notice when you feel that sensation of perfectionism, whether it's you're getting a headache, whether it's your stomach's in a knot, whether it's like your blood pressure's rising, whatever it is for you, hot flashes, cold flashes, whatever it is, right? What does perfectionism feel in my body? And I want you to begin to notice the times of day when it's showing up. This is really valuable information. And at this point, I'm not asking you to change every single time, but I want you to begin to throw an internal flag, just like they would do during a soccer match, right? I want you to throw a flag internally and notice, ooh, this might be a moment of perfectionism. Just taking stock. I'm just noticing that it's here. Now, on the flip side, 
The really advanced move is step number four. I want you to consider what does nourishment feel like in your body? Or what does it feel like when things are feeling good in my body? And I asked that question of a really driven client who's very successful out in Southern California. She said, it feels like flow in my body. It feels like fluid. I feel like I'm in the zone. I'm just kind of moving. I don't have to swim so hard. It's kind of like I'm floating downstream. What a very specific answer that is. And I love that. It was so unique just to her. But what does it feel like when things are feeling good in your body? Notice that. For a lot of people, it's an expansive feeling. And this is a shortcut move. So maybe nourishment feels expansive and perfectionism feels contracting. That's very common. I want you to notice physically within your body what feels good and what doesn't. So step number one, what is my drive for perfectionism in this one area really about? Notice. Is it about fear or function, or something else. Number two, what will I do to address this? Now, steps three and four are the shortcut for us to begin to spot these behaviors very early on so we don't have to repeat them for so long before we can go back to step one and step two and check in and change it. So step three, how does perfectionism physically feel in my body? And what does it physically feel like in my body when I'm in the zone and things are feeling good? All right, I really want to know your answers. Tell me, what does perfectionism feel like in your body over at iTunes? Put that in a comment or tell me on social media as you tag a screenshot of this episode. And conversely, when you're feeling good, what does that feel like? Let this episode become the beginning of a nice, rich conversation that we can keep having as you and me and women around the world recover from perfectionism and upgrade into something a whole lot more life-giving. And remember, as you do that, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. So keep honoring what you value, including yourself, and I will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.